Welcome to the She Grows podcast. If you weren't able to attend our gathering for June, get ready to catch up. We'll be listening to She Glows today. Jim Matthews walks us through finding value in even the waiting seasons of life. We're so glad you're listening today. Have y'all ever been through a season where you just felt unseen, invisible, anonymous, that you've got all these gifts um, and they're just being overlooked? That you're like, okay, I know God's given me this promise. I feel like God's pulled me in this direction. I feel like you know, God's directed my life in this way. I know he's put this burden on my heart for a reason and why can't I just see it happen? God, where are you? Um, these seasons are just, they can feel so lonely. Um, God's told us we have purpose, right? Yes, he's told us in his Bible multiple places that we have a purpose. So why, why, why am I sitting here like serving you but feeling like, when's it my turn? Like just sitting here waiting in what feels like quiet, unseen, unknown times. Um, I would venture to say that if you haven't gone through one of these seasons before, you are going to walk into it soon, or maybe you're there right now. We all go through these seasons, right? It's not, it's not foreign, it's not unusual to have what we would call a desert season or a wilderness season, or there's, it's been called so many things in church talk, but what it feels like is just empty. It just feels lonely, it feels unseen. In these waiting times, in these times where you just feel lost and like you're just looking for God and just can't figure out what's going on. I feel like we've got this choice to make. We've got a choice to say, I am upset. I can, I'm gonna whine and wish my way out of this season because it's awful and it's not what I like. Or we have the chance to embrace it and go, okay, what, what's, what is for me in this season? What am I supposed to learn? What am I supposed to soak in? How can I prepare for the next season and we can embrace it as just part of the journey. And I feel like we have a choice to make there. And I know we're so anxious to grab on to the seasons where we're fruitful, right? Because when things are going well and we're producing all, these, all this fruit, God's working in us and working through us to accomplish all the dreams he's put on our hearts and whatever it is we're called to, we're just seeing it flourish. And every single day we've got a new word from him and it's just like, oh, God is right here with me. And if you would just come sit by me, you too would be healed. Like, it's like, do you, have, do you ever have those good seasons? Those are the best seasons. Um, and we're supposed to produce fruit, right? We're told to, so why wouldn't those be the best? Those are awesome. But that can tend to leave us thinking that the seasons where we're not seeing visible fruit as feeling like failures or feeling like we're disappointments or feeling like something's missing. But the, but the journey of life is just never, ever, ever all highs. Hopefully we all know this by now. Most of us has crashed and burned at some point, if not multiple points in our life. Um, and I feel like the Bible, multi, like I'm gonna keep saying the word multiple apparently today, but in many places in the Bible, he points us to nature to learn lessons. He points us to fig trees and trees and more trees and trees. And so we're gonna look at trees tonight. I feel like if he points us to nature multiple times, I can point us to nature 
at least tonight. Um, when I think about the trees in the different seasons, summer and spring are like the best, right? That's when they're pretty, they're producing fruit, there's flowers, there's all this green. It gives you shade from the sun. It's just, it's just so great. Then even fall, even fall, they're beautiful. All the colors change and all the things happen and you're just like, oh, autumn, like there's nothing better than autumn. But then winter comes and all that falls off and you're left with the limbs that make scary movies, right? <laughs> you're left with just the bare sticks. And that seems like, okay, well, these are, <laughs> I heard you. <laughs> that leaves us feeling like, okay, I could see better things than these stick trees. But when you think about in the winter, is bear dead? It's not dead. Is bear barren? Like, is it done producing? It's not done producing. What's happening, it's not for these long, it's these seasons where the limbs are light and have room to grow down and just have time to rest. They wouldn't have the ability to support all the beauty that's coming back in the spring. And um, I'm a very get to the point type of person. I'm gonna explain it like this and move on. So I'm gonna borrow words from somebody much more poetic than I am. Um, there's this girl named Alicia Britt Cole, and she wrote this. Though my skin prefers the trees roll in the summer, somehow my soul prefers their lessons in winter. Then when growth pauses, the trees have often become my teachers. What the plenty of summer hides, the nakedness of winter reveals, infrastructure. Fullness often distracts from foundations, but in the stillness of winter, the trees, the true strength is unveiled. Stripped of decoration, the tree trunks become prominent and life does not sleep. Though in winter, she retracts all advertisement. And when she does so, she's conserving and preparing for the future. And so it is with us. Seasonally, we too are stripped of visible fruit. Our giftings are hidden. Our abilities are underestimated. And when previous successes fade and our current efforts falter, we can easily mistake our fruitlessness for failure. But such is the rhythm of spiritual life, new growth, fruitfulness, transition, and rest. Abundance may take, make us feel more productive, but perhaps emptiness has the greater power to strengthen our souls. The Father's work in us does not sleep, though in spiritual winters, he retracts all advertisement. And when he does so, he's purifying our faith, strengthening our character, and conserving our energy and preparing us for the future. The sleep days of winter hide us so the seductive days of summer will not ruin us. That's all I've got. So we'll, <laughs> I feel like she just said it right there. There's so much power in the empty days, in the days that look like nothing's happening. I feel like God really views these spaces as sacred. There's so much that can be done. Um, because in those times when you're not producing visible fruit, are you dead? No. Are you barren? No. It's a season. You will produce again. And I'll challenge us all today to see those seasons as a time for preparation of letting your roots grow deeper to support the beauty that's going to come next. Because what I can tell you is that unless you can support what's next, that dream that's in your heart, that vision that's in your mind, that promise God's given you, that prayer that's been prayed so many times you can't even fathom, unless you've got roots to support, 
He's not gonna give it to you. What's the point? What's the point? Look, I've only found one tree ever that doesn't have good roots. Maybe more exist, but these exist in the lobby. (laughs) They're covered up right now, but they are sticks with a really pretty top. But you know what? One kid hits it with a ping pong ball. I'm about to throw these trees in the trash can. Roots are what holds us up. And without those, you could have all the vision in the world. It can look like this really cool little palm tree ball thing, but it's going to fall over if you don't have the proper infrastructure, the proper foundation. So Jesus has been our example and is our example in so many ways. Obviously he's the teacher, the way, the truth, the life. He's everything to us. That's why we're here. Um, And so while we would look at his life for any other thing, let's look at his life for this too. How do you walk through these seasons where you feel anonymous, where you feel unseen? And you think he's Jesus. He doesn't know anything about that. He was famous, like multitudes. The word multitude has never been applied to my life. It's been applied to Jesus's life. The multitudes gathered to hear him preach. The multitudes gathered to watch him um, perform miracles and all this stuff and books. This book has been around for ever and it will remain forever. Like Jen will never be in a book this important. Neither will any of us, even if you think, you just probably won't. It's very likely. Um, So what could he possibly know about these years? What I want us to realize or think about, because sometimes I know you probably know this, but have you thought about the fact that he was 30 years old when his ministry started? It was three explosive years before he went to heaven again but he was 30 years old. So let's just think about this in real terms. You know, Mary and Joseph knew who he was. So even if Jesus was born having to figure it out, which I doubt, somebody let the cat out of the bag. You know what I mean? Like Jesus found out at some point that he was who he was. And so for 30 years, can you imagine going, God is today the day? God is today the day? Is today the day? Like knowing full well, you've got the power. Your destiny is to save humanity. And you're sitting there going, I don't want to make one more toy. I don't want to saw one more bench. I'm tired of working with wood. I'm destined for miracles. You know what I mean? Like, where's the multitudes? They don't like my benches. They don't like my chairs. Bring on the, you know what I mean? Like 30 Years. How many times do you get upset after a month of praying for something? You're like, God, I started this prayer yesterday and you don't even see me. You don't care anything about me. I knew it. I knew it. I mean, I even think about my life, like praying for a child. If you don't know that story, it was just on the podcast, but it was years. It was a a whole horrible thing. But I think of even the years that I was praying for, that was not 30 years. Can you imagine waiting that long for what you knew was your destiny and to know you've already got the power inside of you? I mean, come on. You're not even waiting to get your pilot's license. You're not even waiting to figure out how to read. You're not even waiting. You already got it. Like you've got it and you're sitting on it and you're having to go, today, 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 today for 30 years. I mean, that's a lot. But what we know is that Jesus was able to put his father's timing above his own because he did sit there for 30 years and go today. And then one day God went, yeah, man, it's today. <laughs> like what? 
Okay, it's today. So what does he do first? The first thing recorded from Jesus is he went to get baptized by John the Baptist. So he gets baptized and this is the first time in one of the only times God's audible voice is recorded in the Bible having spoken to where people could hear him. And he spoke over Jesus, this is my son and I'm happy with him. This is my son. What's the real words? I hate not quoting things correctly. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. That's not instruction. It's not direction for his next step. This is day one of his ministry starting. And all God says is, I love you. You are mine and I'm happy with you. But there's another layer because Jesus hasn't preached the sermon yet. He hasn't healed anybody yet. He hasn't brought anybody back to life yet. He hasn't died and come back to life yet. What is he proud of? God's proud in speaking that his life of hiddenness made him happy. That brought God joy. He said, in all these 30 years where y'all ain't seen him yet, where I've watched him be faithful and just keep going, that's what I'm pleased with. And that makes that a lot deeper. Because you think, of course God's proud of Jesus. He can do everything. But not yet. All he's been is a carpenter's son so far. So that's the heart of our father. How did Jesus handle those hidden years? He used them as preparation. All that is written about Jesus during those times is that he grew in wisdom, stature, in favor with God and men. That's what we know. He was a child, then he grew, boom, ministry time. So the thing is, Jesus had to have used those years to prepare for the ministry to come. And here's how we know. The first thing he had to do right after getting baptized, God expressing his pleasure in him, was he got led to the desert for a 40-day fast where he was tempted by Satan three times. I'm so pleased with you. Thank you for waiting 30 years. Now go to the desert for 40 more days. It's gonna be terrible. You're gonna be hungry. You're gonna be hot. It's gonna be awful. And he did. But every single time Jesus was tempted, he said, it is written. It is written, it is written. He quoted scripture when he, was when he was tempted. And that doesn't sound like a huge deal. It sounds a little bit like a huge deal because I'm like, I really wish I was better at memorizing scripture. He's Jesus. <laughs> but here's the thing. We can take a lot of this for granted because you know what's on every device I own? A Bible. What's sitting right here? A Bible. I have multiple just because I like the covers. Most of us somewhere around our house, it's the joke, right? About the family Bible collecting dust over there. If you go to the thrift store, you'll find a Bible. If you go to Walmart, you'll find a Bible. In hotel drawers, you'll find a Bible. They're everywhere. But in Jesus's day, they were still handwritten. They weren't everywhere. They were in the temple, okay? They didn't have one at home. They didn't pull out their big scrolls on the weekend. and be like, scroll on over to Exodus, no. There was like very few Bibles and they were only in the temple. So what do we know? Jesus spent 30 years and then was tempted in the desert and was able to fight the temptation by quoting scripture. So how did he spend those 30 years? 
We know he spent them in the temple studying and preparing and learning scripture. Because God, the Bible tells us that Jesus walked through every temptation, everything that we walk through. So we know he didn't download the Bible into his head, okay? Jesus spent time preparing. He spent his hidden years knowing that in an instant, he could change everything. He could call angels down. He could go ahead and rush into ministry and start saving people at seven. Asher would do that. My son, he'd be like, don't tell me. I'm gonna change your hair color. Like, that'd be my son. Jesus was like, no, he was patient. He just prepared. He prepared and he prepared so that when the time came, he had the infrastructure, he had the foundation that when all the green came and all the lush came and it was ministry time, he could support. Can you imagine? I don't even wanna think about what the world would have looked like if Jesus had done something wrong. Do you understand that this was possible because Satan did that thing? Not that he was Jesus, is different, I know, da, da, da. But he was still a human. He says real life human. And he had to make decisions every day to surrender to the will of the Father, and he did. So were his unseen years unimportant? (laughs) No. Were his anonymous years wasted? No. They were formative in preparing the way for the future. His hidden years before visible public ministry were full of preparation and growth. It's just so good. Without the foundation, he would have never been able to withstand. I mean, when you think about being in the desert for 40 days, hungry. If I'm hungry for a few hours, what's inside is gonna come out? And that might be snapping your head off, that might be, yeah, yeah, yeah. But with Jesus, he was 40 days hungry and one of his first temptations was food. He said, no, I don't live on bread alone. I live on the word of my father. I mean, that's, that's a foundation. That's a strong foundation. What we can see through this is that maybe, just maybe, the hard seasons of life aren't preparing us as much for what's next. Sometimes they do. But maybe they're not preparing us as much for what's to come as that they're revealing what we've done with our lives up to that point. How do you react in a trial? How do you react in an empty time? It says everything about how you've prepared in the past. How have you prepared so far? What do you have to stand on? So we're gonna go back to the way we started. We're gonna go back to Psalm um, 1 verse three. And I'm gonna break, there's, there's so much packed into this tiny sentence and we're gonna break it apart real quick because I think there's some things in it that can help us lead a strong life and be prepared for all these different seasons. The first thing it says in that scripture is that she is like a tree planted. Being like a tree planted is something referred to many times in the Bible. So I feel like it's significant to be planted and rooted. Um, And I feel like it's because there's so much that happens under the soil before you ever see anything come of it. You don't see fruit before there's a infrastructure. You don't see even plants grown at home, like not trees, but just plants. If you watch it through a clear thing, I love the clear pots where you can see, you'll see the roots go almost to the bottom and then you'll be like, there's a leaf. What happens underneath that's unseen has to happen first. So I think that's why the Bible points us so many times to plants and nature 
and growth and all the things. Proverbs 12, verse three, says that no one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. Have you ever tried to move a tree? (laughs) A tree could be this big, but you won't have to dig out this much. I mean, I got trees near my house that are cracking my driveway down by the mailbox, right? Roots are psycho, but they hold that tree in place. And the, 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 the roots of the righteous will never, ever be moved. We're all rooted somewhere. We're rooted in something. But what is it? What are you holding on to? What are you letting affect your mind and your heart and your thoughts and What are you rooted in? Too often, and this is the scary part, we say it's Jesus, but we're living to our own standard and our own version of what we think that means. This word, if you can't reply with it is written, it is written, it is written, it is not right. We can't take our own standards and say, I'm living how Jesus said, and it's all these things I made up because it's great. This word has got to be in our hearts. I don't care if you can say Matthew 22, 14 says, but you need to be able to say, you know what? My God says he's a provider. My God says he's a healer. My God says, if I remain in him, that he'll be right here with me. There's principles and there's hearts. That's where we need to be planted. That's where we need to be anchored. It says we need to be planted by streams of water. That's the next part of that verse. That tree, is planted by the source of what it needs to live. It's planted right there by streams of water. Can I promise you right now that a tree planted by a river and a tree planted in the desert are not gonna look the same? If the things, the palm trees in the back of the church need us to remember to water them, they are much browner than the ones at the beach by the water, okay? It's just reality. If you're not planted by the source, you're not being fed by the source, you're not gonna thrive. But Colossians 2, six through seven says that as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Rooted and established in him. Gosh, there's something about the word established. I know it's the same mental image as rooted, but established says I'm here and ain't nobody gonna push me over. Nobody's gonna take me out of it. And can I tell you in a world that is, woo, psycho, you've got to know where you're standing. You've got to be rooted. You can't rely on anybody else to tell you. Anything that comes out of my mouth, you need to go home and be like, but really, go check me out. And if I'm wrong, you better tell me. Don't leave me hanging. You've got to know it for yourself. Planted by the source that yields fruit. That's the next part of it. And can we say it again? John 15, four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. So you will yield fruit if you abide in him. I don't know how many times people with a, I've been seeking this vision for that God's had on my heart. I don't, I just, I just, 
I know he's got this promise for me. I know that I just don't understand why I'm still waiting. I don't understand how are you abiding? Where are you rooted? We like to look over the work and just wait on the promise and go, I'm just waiting out my season. Like, no girl, what are you rooted in? How are you abiding? How are you waiting? Because you will use yield fruit if you abide in him in its season. I feel like the end of that verse is so important. It'll yield fruit in its season. Even Jesus who knew all things that were coming, he yielded to the father's plan. All the plants in my house, I can want them to bloom. I can want them to get bigger. I can want them to get taller. I can want them to be more colorful. And it don't matter unless I figure out their perfect little finicky recipe of light and water and heat and moisture and so picky. But it's not up to me. It's up to their seasons. I don't know the seasons and I can't force the seasons. It's just gonna happen in the right season. Lamentations 3.25 tells us that the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Lean into those in-between seasons. Here's the thing, every single moment of our lives, it can feel like that just the, eh, every single part of it's part of the main story. There's no little trash sub stories. It's all part of your story. Your story builds on the next and builds on the next and builds on the next. So you've got to value every single piece of it and realize it's important, even if it's the worst. Can I tell you that embracing all this does not mean I am not, do not hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying this makes it easy. I'm saying you can value it because you can understand the importance in the dry seasons, in the waiting seasons, in the building seasons, the growth seasons. Psalms 84 is such a sweet prayer and holds such a a great heart posture. I'm not gonna read the whole thing to you, but you should. Write it down and go read it all. But verse 10 of chapter 84 says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I would rather be a doorkeeper. Can you get to the place where you know God has spoken to you? You know he's got a vision on your life. You know you have all the potential in the world. You know You know, you know, you know, this is what I'm called to. This is what I'm capable of. If you just knew, if you just knew, can you know where you're going and what's to come and still say, but I would rather hold open a door in God's house than be anywhere else. If he never does it, if I'm wrong, if whatever, can I still say, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than be anywhere else because better is one day in his presence than to be anywhere else. John 1.12 says that to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. To all, to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God Look, in a world with so many labels, so many labels, some are unfairly given, some are assigned to you because of your family heritage, some people put on you as mockery, some people put on you just to be mean, some you put on yourself. 
There are a lot of labels out there right now. And in the world where everyone wants to slap a label on somebody, you better know which ones apply to you. You better be able to see the difference on talking down to yourself, letting other people talk down to you, or understanding there's only one voice that matters. And he says, you're his child. He says, you're a daughter of the king. Let me tell you this, I didn't come up with this, but this shirt means the world to me because everybody's got something to slap on you. And it's not gonna be long, it's kind of already there, but it ain't gonna be long for like, <laughs> you go to church, moron, sucker. You know what I mean? Like there, people have got something to say about everything. So if you're not sure of who you are and why, you'll be able to be labeled anything. But I want to stand firm and say, no, I'm a daughter of the king. My God said I have the right to be his child because I'm following after him. This is my label and I'll wear it proud. It's important. And when you know who you are, the pressure to perform or look any certain way goes away. When you know who you are, the addiction to approval fades away. It's okay if your summer's built on one-on-one conversations and not Instagrammable cruises. But more power if you get to go on one. (laughs) I would love that. But you start to realize the things that are important and you don't live beyond your means to try to make something happen so you look some sort of way. But you let the important things be the important things. I made a commitment to myself a long, long time ago um, to, to lose the phrase, it must be nice. It must be nice. How many times do you look at somebody and be like, she's so skinny, it must be nice. She's so rich, it must be nice. But what I have to remind myself is I don't know the other side of the narrative. She might be so skinny because she can't gain weight. She might try her hardest. She might be fighting an eating disorder right now. That might be why she's skinny, that's not good. She might be rich because she hustles all day every day and her whole family's suffering because of it. She might not really be rich, she's up to debt up to her eyeballs. You don't know what's on the side of, other side of any narrative. You just don't. So I've committed to not ever looking at somebody and saying, must be nice. Must be nice to be like that and not to work for it. I'm like, Jen, you don't go home with her. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. She might work harder than anybody you know. It's about staying in your lane and knowing who you are. Who you are. She is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield fruit in its season. We're all gonna walk through the deserts now and then. We're all gonna feel dry now and then, but sis, embrace that growth season and look around and just say, you just wait, you just wait. I'm building strength to hold so much beauty. And one day, your father's gonna say, today's the day, girl, let's go. And you're gonna be ready or you're gonna not be ready. So let's be ready. Here, I wanna, I wanna pray for you tonight. And um, the band's gonna come back up. You just bow your head and close your eyes. And I know that there's a lot of power in our words. So tonight I wanna speak words over you, words of life over you. But before we go any farther into it, some people in here just need to make a first step 
They're going, I can't claim daughter of the king yet because I haven't accepted Jesus. I don't know. He's not my father. He's not my king. He's not any of these things. So tonight I want, I, I mean, I would, won't walk out of this place without giving you the opportunity to just say yes to him. It's a life that you'll not regret. It's not always the easiest, but when you look around this room, don't look right now, but you're in a room full of community and community is where it becomes simple. Not easy, but simple. Because you're walking with girls who are gonna link arms with you and they believe the very best in you. You're sitting in a room with girls who spent time during worship praying over your pictures out there. Because we see you. We see what you're capable of. We see what's to come. He's spoken so much over you. So tonight, if you would just wanna say yes to him, I'm gonna pray with you. And step number one is as easy as a prayer. It's the same God, right now, I pray that you would forgive me of just who I've been up to this point. I pray that you would pull out all the, all the dirt, all the self-reliance, all the self-love, all the self-self, and let me just l- rely on you. Let me lean on your love. Let me be established by you, rooted in you, so I can be strong. God, I pray that you'd help me to walk away from the life I've lived and walk fully, fully with you from this day forward. I commit to being a different person. For the rest of us in this room and including you, every single person in this room, I just wanna pray life over you tonight. God, I love you. And I thank you that every single person in this room is full of purpose that she's been called, that she's been appointed, that she's been called your daughter. God, I pray right now for deep roots. I pray that we would be established in you, in your word, no doubt, no doubt, no wavering, God, that we'd be planted by the source of life. We just love you and thank you that you're so faithful to those who are faithful. So we pray that would be us tonight. God, that you would help us to see what's the long haul, see what's down the road and just have the strength to take the next right step, to do the next right thing, then the next right thing. God, we just love you tonight. I pray for strength. I pray for endurance. In your holy name we pray, amen. Girls, if you can do that, that is how you glow in the dark. (laughs) That's how you glow. In a world of confusion and darkness and crazy, knowing who you are in the midst of that, knowing who you're waiting on and why, that's how you glow. This is a message that you might need to bookmark. These are seasons that we'll all walk through life and having encouragement to lean on is so helpful. 
If you made a decision today to follow Jesus, we want to know about it. Saying yes is easy, but walking it out takes community, and we would love to do life with you. Make sure to connect with us on social media so you always know what's going on. And we would love it if you would take a moment to rate and review this podcast. Share it with a friend you know who would be encouraged by it. We would love to get the word out and be able to reach further into building a stronger community for women. This is one way that we walk our faith out together. Thank you for letting us be a part of your day today. Until next time, keep growing.